It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 916 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, March the 31st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Also, please make sure you're finding the podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. Subscribing, rating, reviewing, telling a friend. It's always very appreciated when you take the time. While you're perusing for Locked On Podcasts to support, go look up Locked On Blue Jays as the Blue Jays start their season tomorrow. Very exciting stuff. And AJ Andrews has you covered all day, every day over there, or, or like half an hour every day, I guess is more accurate. But she's doing a wonderful job, so go listen to Lockdown Blue Jays. Okay, on today's show, which is brought to you by our friends over at Michelob Ultra at just 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Today we're going to dive into the draft. The Toronto Raptors are bad. They're they're losing a lot of games. They've lost 13 of 15. They're seventh in draft lottery odds right now. Things are pretty dark, but it doesn't have to be so doom and gloom. There is some excitement to be had in being a lottery-bound basketball team, which, hey, maybe the Raptors turn it around and they are not in the lottery and this all is for naught, but as things stand right now, they look very much like they will have a shot at a very good pick in this year's NBA draft, something they have not had in a very long time. And joining me to, I think, give a bit of a primer on this draft, why it's so exciting, the top guys who maybe you're getting a look at in March Madness right now or not, and also some of those sort of later lottery guys who, if the Raptors don't get into the top five, they still might have a shot at drafting. It is one of the very best draft minds going from the Sub Me and Coach YouTube page, one of our favorite guests here on the podcast, at Robel Tussin on Twitter. It's Robel. What's going on, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm glad to uh, have you back on the podcast. It's... uh. It's that season apparently already again, which I didn't expect it to come so soon for the Raptors. I didn't expect this uh, stretch of poor play over all of March to really hit them this hard. But man, it's uh, it's dark days watching the team as it stands. But that's okay because this is a very good draft, as all of the smart prognosticators such as yourself have suggested for a while now. And I, I guess off the top here, Robel, the first thing I have for you is... You know, why is this such an exciting draft? If you're a Raptors fan who's feeling sad about where the team is at, not used to all the losing, why should a Raptors fan be getting pretty juiced up to potentially have a shot at a nice pick in this year, the 2021 draft? Because there's a lot of wings with a ton of upside in this lottery. And last year was mostly like a fit draft where you just have to decide where these guys will... um, you know, get to their, you know, potential outcome. 
But this draft is interesting because there's like a lot of variance with these prospects and they have real issues. But if you can fix one thing, they have a lot of them have star upside. So that's why it's way more interesting, especially for the Raptors, because we've been doing so well with getting these fringe guys into starter level and even more like Van Vliet, Siakam, Norman Powell. And imagine what you could do with a lottery pick that has like one or two issues. Like how, mm-hmm. how, how does that look like? And that's why I think this year is super interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's kind of been spoken about as a five-player draft at the top. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, and Jonathan Kaminga, kind of the consensus top five prospects. After that, I think you get kind of, you know, it's everyone's different cup of tea, different opinions, different guys people like, but... You know, is that fair that the top five guys are kind of where you want to be if you are in this draft? Or is there going to be some potential gems falling in that sort of late lottery range? So I'm definitely a fan of the guys that are in the late lottery. I'd rather be in the late lottery than have uh, the fourth or fifth pick. And Interesting. So I think this is not a five-player uh, draft because I am not that high on the G League prospects. My thing is there's Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, who are like the clear guys that like have superstar upside. And then there's Suggs. Suggs is very good, but I don't I don't think he has that uh, ceiling. And he's just not that good of a prospect as either of those guys. And then you have Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga, who um, they're pretty impressive in the bubble, but they still have a lot of concerns that, uh, make me hesitant about how uh, good of prospects they are, especially since I've watched them, you know, even before the G League bubble. Like, I've watched them in high school, so I know how their development uh, progress is going. Mm-hmm. And then, like, in the late lot, so, like, I'm not super high on them, and I prefer guys that will be available at 14 uh, in the 10 range. So um, what I like is that the Raptors don't have to get, like, a top five pick to get right. a top five level prospect. So that's my, um, that's how I think we should be looking at it. We should not be saying, well, we, we need Jalen Green or else I, I can't, like <laughs> we need, if we have the eighth pick, I'll be so mad. But like, there's a guy there that's potentially better than uh, the G League prospects in my opinion. So I think, um, you know, when the draft um, saying it's a strong draft, we probably overrated it a little bit just because mm-hmm. of some guys just underperformed. We're talking about BJ Boston, uh, Zaire Williams were guys that we thought was like top five level prospects. And I still think the lottery guys, but they did not perform well in college. Jalen Johnson is another example. So it kind of made the draft a little weaker, but in terms of like upside plays, which is what you want to draft in the lottery, this draft is like full of them. So. That's interesting. So yeah, I want to dive into that top five, and I guess as you see it, a top three with Suggs, Mobley, and Cunningham as the main guys. Um, I, I guess we'll get to that in, in the second segment. I want to get to the late lottery guys in the third, but I guess my question for you before we get to that stuff is, like you mentioned that the Raptors, just with the way that their development machine kind of works, instead of getting sort of this like raw sort of unmolded player that they try to teach many things to it might just be a matter of just fixing one or two things with these guys which is really interesting is there and you said this is not really necessarily a fit-based draft either compared to last year but is there sort of a like an archetype of player that 
you would be the happiest to see the Raptors come away with just based on the way the roster is constructed. I know everybody wants centers. Evan Mobley, as you've talked about on Twitter, people seem like they want Mobley more than Cunningham for the Raptors, which you don't think make any sense, which I, I you know, based on, you know, look, I'm a dumb dumb when it comes to this stuff. I trust the, the smart people to tell me what to think. But based on what I've read and seen, it seems like Cunningham is a pretty clear no-doubter as number one. But for the Raptors, is there a positional sort of need that you would like to see addressed in this draft? Or is it a matter of just take the best dude there and then figure out the rest with the flexibility they're set to have this offseason? So I'm of the opinion that um, you don't take bigs that high, ex- except if they're Mobley. Um, right. He's an exception, obviously. I love Mobley. Um, I think, like I've said underneath that tweet, I think Kate Cunningham fixes many more uh, glaring issues like we don't have a lot of guys that can get to the rim and finish. Uh, we don't. We don't really want Fred VanVleet as a starting point guard in the future. We don't really want Pascal to be the number one option in the future. So Kate Cunningham could fix all of those bigger issues than a guy that rebounds and block shots. I'm not. And Mobley does way more than that, obviously. But he's not a guy that will uh, put Pascal in the most opt- optimal. Um, his most optimal role and Fred Van Vliet as well. So you have to think about that. Like, I, yeah, I get it. You know, he has center next to his name. So, um, but like, it doesn't make sense from a fit standpoint, if we're even talking about fit and you shouldn't even be drafting for fit because rosters change every single year. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I don't want to draft any, other, like if we're at 14, I'm not, I'm not trying to draft a big. <laughs> Mobley's the only guy I really want. Um, but what I really want is a, a wing. I think we need a wing pretty badly. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we've seen in these couple games, even though we weren't that good, we've seen like Gary Trent and Rodney Hood having guys that are like skilled and have size is just makes such a big difference. And I mm-hmm. think we we need that because we have uh, we have two small point guards in the in the core, so we need. Uh, wing guys that could uh create for themselves and potentially for others so uh pascal van van vliet og won't uh shoulder that offensive burden right so you prefer you want a wing that um can dribble pass shoot and that's what we should be targeting yeah i mean that kind of all leads to kate cunningham as the prize of this draft and thinking about slotting Cunningham next to Fred between OG and Siakam sounds uh, pretty all right to me, I gotta say, even as someone who has been very resistant to the idea of tanking. Uh, We're going to get into those top guys. We're going to get into Cunningham, Mobley, Suggs, the rest in just a second. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's absolutely free to sign up. Just head over to betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON Sign up today for your free account and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So you put in 100 bucks, you get $50 extra into your account to play with. That's a great deal. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. 
Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar in the world. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting with 100% chocolate on all their bars. And now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. And Built Bar Madness is nearly over, everybody, as we've moved into the second semifinal between Mint Brownie and Coconut Brownie Chunk, two absolute titans in this tournament. I'd vote Mint Brownie, I think, but you can't really go wrong with either. You can vote at BuiltBar.com or at Bar underscore Built on Twitter. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 when you're at the site to get 15% off your next order of Built Bars. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the number one protein bar in the land. I believe the final is on Friday. All right, Robel, let's dive into the top of the draft here. Cade Cunningham, let's talk about him. He's obviously the prize. He's the one that people are coming up with the hashtags for. Maybe it's because Evan Mobley is difficult to make a snappy hashtag for. I don't know. But Cade Cunningham is the dude. Uh, didn't go super well for him in the tournament, but as I think we probably have realized by now, the tournament doesn't mean a whole lot, and there's lots of other film on these guys that means far more. Uh, Cade Cunningham... Tell me, tell the listeners why the Raptors uh, should want him. Obviously, you want the first overall prospect, but what exactly would he bring to the Raptors to help address some of the needs we've been talking about here? So, um, Kate has been talked about as a potential uh, generational prospect before uh, he entered college. I was one of those people that thought so. Um, we've, there's been debates on like if, if he's a better prospect than Luca or Zion. I definitely think he's at that level or it could be even better than some of them. Um, before in co- before he was in high school, he didn't really take a ton of threes, and the finishing was kind of iffy. But obviously, 6A, and he's just a super high-field player. You have to bet on that. And he's also a really good defender. And now in college, he's like an amazing pull-up shooter, and he's like crossing guys up, hitting step-back threes in their face, and he's getting by guys as well. He's huge he's like 220 and he's probably going to be like 230 you know once he gets to the league maybe 240 as well and he can just bully guys to the rim and finish there and he's also a great playmaker while also being a great rotational defender and he doesn't take plays off as well so this is this is a guy you really think about like what's his weakness like i like i just heard all of that like what is what is what's the catch here and this, that's the thing with Cade, which why he's such a high level prospect there's really no like hole in this game um, the only thing I would say is if we're, be, if we're being nitpicky is that um, the in-between game isn't all the way there. Like he's not really good at floaters and he's not like a super bursty guy. He's not going to blow by people like that or like, you know, dunk on people. And that's literally the only two things that um, it's like, you know, not even a negative. He's just average at. So right. he's just the guy, um, like I said, you know, we need multiple creators on the team. We need a guy that can uh, create his own shot and create for others. Kate is his growth as a shooter and an isolation score has been tremendous. And he's a guy that like he fits that like he's he's kind of wired the same as Van Vliet. Like he won't like show off on the court, but you can tell that he like will die on the court um, right. for a win. Right. And I, I think that a personality fits great with them. He's just a great player. He's He can, like, go to the Timberwolves right now and, like, change their franchise around. He's that level of prospect. He'll be good regardless. But if we get Cade, this is, like, obviously, like, a 1% chance, honestly. Um, we, <laughs> 7% chance. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, <laughs> 7% chance, technically. But if that happens, like, we're, we're right back and, like, 
contendership. Like I'm, I have no doubt. Like people say, oh, rookies don't really, you know, they take time. But well, Lamelo has been pretty good for a playoff team as well, and Kate mm-hmm. is a better prospect, and he has better players around them. So I definitely think that he's a guy that will rapidly turn around this franchise for like the next ten years, and will have us winning every single year. So. Like we won't even think about these thirty last thirty games. <laughs> we'll just laugh about it, like the Spurs laughed about Spurs fans laughed about Tim Duncan, right? That's that's the th- that's the type of situation we're talking about here. So yeah, Caden, very good player. You got me sweating, dude. Uh, <laughs> this <laughs> this sounds pretty all right. Uh, I have not been a pro tanking person. I don't think they should try to lose games. I think with the like the flattened lottery odds, trying to lose games doesn't really matter anyway all that much. Um, but I hearing that it's enough to convince me that I am okay if they don't make a run to the playoffs. That would still be nice, but also Cade Cunningham sounds pretty swell as well. And it'd be the rare occasion where you are throwing a generational talent, like you said with Duncan, for example, into a team that has the infrastructure to compete right away and just roll with it, which is very exciting. Um, let's move on from Cade Cunningham to, I guess, the consolation prize. If you don't get the first pick, but you do jump up in the lottery, Evan Mobley, uh, he's doing lots of stuff right now for USC, looking amazing in the tournament. Uh, I am partial to big men who throw cool passes and block shots and, uh, play exactly the way Evan Mobley does. And so if the Raptors don't end up with a Cade Cunningham and they end up with an Evan Mobley, you will not see me cry whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, this is all it's such a weird place to be in thinking about the lottery for the first time in forever but either way um evan mobley what's the deal with him what's the level of excitement uh, of excitement you have about him and uh you know i think the fit would be pretty clear on a team that doesn't have a center if not necessarily giving the team the same boost and ability to compete right away that Cade would so mobley's a unicorn like a real unicorn we're not talking about a fake unicorn like a bull bull or something like this is something <laughs> that this is a guy that's seven foot tall a legit seven footer uh seven foot five wingspan and he wants to switch onto guards and he literally tries to see okay if i flip my hips like six times can i still keep up with him like he's so good that like he tries new stuff out on the court because he'll be too bored if you know, he just plays rotational defense all the time. And one thing that was like a knock on him as a senior, he didn't really have a great senior year. Like I said, he was bored. Um, but in the tournament, he just decides, okay, this this team is not scoring in the paint anymore in the zone. And he when he really wants to play, like he's amazing. He's one of those guys that like he probably won't be like the number one option on the championship team, but he'll be like an Anthony Davis where he's like, he might be the best player, but he's not going to be, like, the go-to guy. Mm-hmm. But there's not a thing that he can't do. So he's, like, a perfect fit on every single team. He can run, pick, and roll as the ball handler. He's an amazing roller. He's great at uh, blocking shots. He can pop uh, He can pop for a mid-range. He, he can self-create um, from face-ups. Like, he can pull up from the mid-range, and he'll probably be able to shoot pull-up three soon enough. Um, and he has these hook shots that are literally unguardable. Like and he's pretty physical <laughs> for his size. You're not gonna guard a, a hook shot that's seven foot, seven footer that's throwing up, especially how quick he gets off the ground. And literally, like he draws fouls as well. There's literally not really a guy that like someone messaged me yesterday. He was like, "What do you think is like a weakness?" And I'm just like, "Well, sometimes he doesn't make great like he doesn't see like every pass, but he's still a very good passer." 
then like okay like other than like strengths there's not really a weakness that he has for uh, a freshman level prospect and we've seen it like we've seen when Mobley's really like engaged we've seen what he can do to tournament like we, we, we see what he does to teams in the tournament so this mm-hmm. is a guy that's literally like an um like a potential generational prospect as well and he has a sky high upside it just depends on if he can always turn that motor on like i feel like he's a guy that will be like 100 percent engaged in the regular season but he really flips that switch in the playoffs right right yeah i mean for me i've been really excited by the idea of basically any center with any sort of skill set next to siakam and og um you know that's why i've been so like oh go get john collins or miles turner like some someone who fits next to those guys and can kind of add to what is one of the best one two defensive combinations on the wings in the league having a center to pair with those guys would be a ton of fun. And that's why I've been super into Mobley. Um, we, there's lots of guys we got to get into here, so we can leave Mobley for now. We're going to talk a lot about Mobley over the course of the next few months, as we will all of these guys, because that's the life we live now. Um, let's get into Jalen Suggs, who you said you think is the third guy pretty clearly in this draft before the Ignite guys, Kaminga and Green. Um, you know, maybe a little bit less of an obvious fit with the Raptors, I suppose, because he is a point guard, but he's also 6'4". We know the Raptors have no problem playing two point guards next to each other, so maybe it doesn't matter. Um, what's your thought on Jalen Suggs? What would the fit be like with the Raptors, do you think? So I like it. Um, the only issue with me is, like, he's not, like, the point guard. He's not a Kyle Lowry type of guy. He's still right. a guy that's kind of needs to rely on other guys to uh, create passing windows because he's not the most amazing advantage creator. His handle is not that great. And, you know, he's not really a good self creator, but he's a guy that like any advantage or like any passing window that he sees, he's throwing it and he's making it. So, and combined, he's a, a really good shooter and he's a great defensive player. And like I said, like he's just a part of a elite winning team and He's definitely one of the best players on Gonzaga, and Gonzaga's amazing this year. Um, not only because of him, but he's definitely a factor in that, right? So he's that guy that's like, he's not like super athletic, um, doesn't have like a, a lead handle, like not really elite traits. Like he has a, like an, not a big wingspan, uh, small hands, but he's one of those guys that because of that, he like, um, how do I say this? He learned to adjust and... Mm-hmm. become such a smart player and such a high field level player that um he could take like he you can see that he's just playing a different game than everyone else on the court right yeah i i mean i i think just positionally like i said maybe not like the number one wish list guy but also seems like it would be a pretty seamless fit and slotting him at the two next to Fred with OG and Pascal still pretty good thing to start with even again if it's not the Cade thing where it's like instant contention right away Um, I do want to finish up and we will get into Kaminga and Green I want to maybe lump them in with the rest of the lottery as you kind of uh, are a little bit lower on them as we've talked about here so we'll get to those guys coming up in just one second but first I want to tell everybody about this week's Ultra Player of the Week brought to you by Michelob Ultra it's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And this week, the guy who I think was bringing the most joy, happiness, and enjoyment to Toronto Raptors fan living is probably OG Ananobi. No, he was ex- excellent all week long. We're seeing him up the usage. We're seeing him experiment with the ball in his hands while also still smothering everybody on the defensive end of the floor at any opportunity. He rocks, and he is this week's 
Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Are you happy because you win, or you didn't, or do you win because you're happy? Once again, at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, you don't have to choose at all. You just can enjoy and also feel good about what you're drinking with Michelob Ultra. Thanks to Michelob Ultra for sponsoring the podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Robel, we're going to finish up here in just one sec. Just a heads up on tomorrow's episode. I'll be breaking down the Thunder game. Hopefully get a guest in for that one. But either way, we'll talk about the Raptors and the Thunder in what is apparently a huge tank battle now. So that should be fun. Um, Robel, let's dive into the rest of the lottery here. Let's get into Green and Kaminga. You can kind of talk about them both at once. They played both for the G League Ignite team. They're both considered to be in that top five among most people. Uh, what is it about them that leaves you a little bit concerned that they're not quite in that top tier? Uh, but what, also, what do you like about them, and what could they become if things break right for them? All right. Uh, first, I'll say that I think Green is a better prospect than Kaminga. Um, before the draft and you know before the G League bubble, I was very high on Kaminga. Um, just the idea of him, a guy that can uh, show him some passing flashes, 6'8", uh, amazing advantage creator. Like, he's just super strong. And um, he was developing as a jump shooter and a shot creator. And um, he def- he had some defensive issues, uh, just motor issues, and not, like, an elite playmaker. And he could he has some shot selection uh, problems as well. So I decided, I'm like, okay, so if you can fix at least, like, the, the defense or the shot selection – then I'd, I'd, I'd take him top three. And he did not do that. So, um, right. <laughs> like, I didn't see any improvement. He shot terribly from the field. He shot terribly uh, from three. The t- the touch is really concerning with me. Not Like, now I'm really concerned because he wasn't even finishing at the rim well. And that is just, like, I see the appeal, but if you didn't improve in a year when you're in, like, the best, like, the G League development is like really great. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it's been a success, but he hasn't developed. Like, he hasn't shown me anything new, and that makes me disappointed because he's he's um, stagnated, and stagnation is regression. So, I have to drop him because um, now you don't you, like. What do you do if we don't give you the ball in your hands all the time? Like, what? Right. And that's my issue with Kaminga. So. I don't really uh, love him as a prospect as much anymore. And then we move to Jalen Green. Um, definitely probably has the highest vertical, him or Keon, Keon Johnson. Um, super bursty. Like he's just like a guy will uh, have a cushion on him and he'll still blow by them in the open floor. He's like devastating. Uh, one of the most elite uh, body contortion guys um, in the draft. Amazing finisher at the rim. And now um, he's shown some a, a lot of flashes of him being a good shooter in um, uh, in his senior year, and a lot of pull up shooting things, and that has translated seamlessly across the G League. Now it's not a huge game sample, but he was having great numbers out. I think he was at I think he finished at like forty percent, 
He dropped 30 uh, in his last game. He dropped 30 against the Raptors, uh, 9-5, which is a good defensive team. So um, he's pretty certified as a scorer. My thing is that his handle is a little bit shaky. Um, in open like open spaces, it's good. Like he can, he doesn't have much trouble scoring. But when it gets like tight and like digs and stunts uh, get to him, his handle is way too high for him to actually be controlled. And he has to like pick it up and uh, that's how you stop the advantage creation. So with that, he's pretty limited in the half court sometimes, and his defense is pretty terrible. Like it's <laughs> it's really bad. Like he's not aware. Um, he can move laterally pretty quickly, but um, he's not like he's not really that strong either. So he can get bullied. So mm-hmm. and my thing, and he doesn't really play make. Like he doesn't like he's been the guy. Like he's been like one of the like superstars in high school and he's always had the ball in his hands and we've never seen like a playmaking leap yet. So I don't think it will be happening because just by putting the ball in his hands, because you know, that uh, development practice has not worked for him. So um, with like, so, you know, like amazing athleticism, super fast, a good shooter now as well, but all of these like little things, like those concern me and that can limit him as a player. So like I said, are you gonna want to put the ball in his hands? It's not like an Anthony Edwards scenario where, yeah, Anthony Edwards didn't have like a great handle, but he's two twenty pounds, so he just puts the shoulder on you and then he creates the space, <laughs> right? And then with right. Jalen Green, it's like um, small guards could really bother him as well with the handle, and he can't just get to the rim anytime he wants. He has to settle for these tough pull up shots. So that's my concern with Jalen Green. All makes sense. Um, so my question to you then is if you have those guys, maybe not at 4-5, at who from the next group of guys would you put there who potentially could, even if the Raptors do stay at 7, if things go by the consensus, in theory, those guys would maybe be available for them if they stay at 7. Who would you have 4-5 in place of Green and Kaminga? So it's two guys, and uh, they're on the same team. Uh, the Tennessee guys, uh, Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson – I'll start with right. Springer first. Um, I have a comparison. I hate comparisons. Um, I always try to deny them every time someone tells me, "Hey, does this guy remind <laughs> you of this guy?" But I'm gonna. Make- There's a reason I haven't brought any up on the podcast so far. <laughs> I know what to do when you're on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a comparison. Uh, this is very specific. But James Springer's driving style. He's six four, uh, about two hundred pounds, huge, like super built, eighteen uh, mm-hmm. year old as well. He reminds me of Lowry when he drives. He dribbles the ball very close himself. He does these hop steps and um, just these weird like finishes to get into the paint and maneuver through tight spaces. And I've tweeted about it. I've, I'm, I remember I, have the, I did their clips like back to back and a lot of people saw it as well. So I just like he's not like super fast. He doesn't have a great first step, but his strength and just the ability to maneuver through those tight spaces is really special. And I would I buy that uh, creation because we've seen Lowry do it, so um, that makes me a little bit optimistic. Uh, James Springer doesn't. He's a six four, six five, two guard, one of the best point of attack defenders in the class. He can. He's the only guy I've seen in high school give K trouble uh, on the defensive mm-hmm. end. So and like with the potential advantage creation that he has, he's a re- very good passer and. Um, he can shoot uh, mid-range pull-ups as well. My only thing with him is that he doesn't take a lot of threes, 
but he's very efficient when he does. He just takes like he'll go like one for two like every game, uh, <laughs> or, like a game. He'll go like three games in a row. He just doesn't take a three. So I think I don't know what exactly the numbers are, but like I think he was shooting like seventy percent from three at one point. Like, it's not real, like obviously. Um, yeah, like he's he's fifteen months younger than uh, Suggs, and mm. one of the youngest guys in the class for sure. And he has older brothers that are both in college, and they're like bigs, like they're six ten. So he has some room to grow once he gets to the NBA. So all of that with his feel for the game, um, advantage creation, his strength, and his high floor as a defensive player, uh, both on the ball and off the ball, he's just a very interesting prospect that he can get to the rim as well. We need someone that, that gets to the rim. He perfectly profiles as a Raptors prospect, and he's DeAndre Bembry's cousin. So, Well, hell yeah. Yeah. That option's getting picked up, baby. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh, and then Keon Johnson. Yeah, so Keon Johnson, uh, probably only guy that is up there with Jalen Green in terms of vertical explosion. Uh, he just jumps out the gym very quick, uh, quickly. He's about uh, 6'5". Um, very fast with the ball as well. The, only, the difference between Jalen Green's athleticism and Keon Johnson's athleticism is how functional it is. Keon uses it every step of the way. He uses it to get blocks. He uses it on uh, uh, getting rebounds offensively and defensively and obviously in the paint as much as he can. While Jalen Green doesn't do that as much as you would like. So Keon has improved as a a mid-range shooter since high school. He has that mid-range pull-up. He jumps like 40 inches off the ground when he shoots them. So it makes him very hard to guard. Uh, As a finisher, he's very good as well. My thing, the thing with him is that he's not really a good outside shooter. So you can't just put him in the corner and try to develop him like that. Like uh, the Cavs are doing with Isaac Okoro. You have to put the ball in his hands. But he can do some things. Like he's a pretty uh, solid passer as well. And he's one of the best uh, point of attack defenders in the class as well. His lateral movement is like super explosive at... um, on, on the ball as well, like if he digs on the ball, he's ripping it out of your hands. And he's one of those guys right. that is just super competitive. So a guy that has a pretty high level, of, pretty decent to high level feel for the game with that uh, functional athleticism and a developing jump shot. And he's also, I think he just turned 19 as well. That's just someone that's really interesting to me. Well, damn, dude, I am uh, not so much fearing not winning the lottery anymore <laughs> if uh, one of those dudes is going to be around at seven. There's some other guys, too, that I did want to pick your brain on. We've kind of run out of time today, uh, but I will absolutely be having you back on if you're interested in rejoining me to talk about some of these guys. Moses Moody is a guy who I'm pretty interested in. Uh, Scotty Barnes. You know, there's a whole crew of guys who we haven't gotten to yet, but there's plenty of time between now and the draft for us to dive on in. So we'll leave it there for now. We will finish up, Robel. You're lucky. You get to be here for the second edition of the Tankathon Sim of the Day here on Locked On Raptors. We're doing this every day yeah. until June 22nd because what the hell else is there to do? Uh, I have the Tankathon site up in front of me as it stands right now. Uh, the Raptors' seventh in lottery odds, 7.5% chance at number one, 32% at a top four pick, and we're going to sim it to see where they end up. And your Toronto Raptors have fallen for the second straight day down to eighth. In the draft standings, the Oklahoma City jump up to one. Houston stays at two, and the Wizards jump up to three from six. And your Raptors fall back down to eight. 
if you're obviously we don't know what the board looks like, but just going by your own big board right now, Robel, what does number eight get the Raptors? Okay, number eight, I it's not finalized. Um, it's Jalen Johnson from Duke. Okay, okay. I, I'm uh, he's probably not going to be there. Um, he's probably going to be uh, available lower than that. So Jalen Johnson's uh, just to say it quickly, it's like he's sort of like a Ben Simmons type, where like he's not the level of athlete, but he's not that level of non-shooter. So. Um, we, I thought that he could be a potential like actual ball handler and create advantages because he's six nine, and huge like Cade, but he's not like he has real issues with flexibility. He can't really get by guys, so he's more like a big, um, very good passing prospect. Uh, put, has some potential on the defensive end, just doesn't know how much. He doesn't really know how to play as a big, so that hurts him. Right. But he's a very explosive athlete, and he can just he can two hand uh, block people. So the defensive upside is there. And as a transition athlete, he's pretty dominant as well. So uh, just a guy that's like an all-around player. Um, he's probably going to go lower because he uh, just stopped playing at Duke. And, right. Uh, you know, coaches are just going to talk down on his name <laughs> and make rumors about him and stuff like that. So he'll probably fall. His draft stock will probably get hindered by that. But I still think there's a lot of intrigue there. So uh, I the Raptors fit is a little bit interesting. I really hope he could play center in that lineup. Yeah. Um, because he's not a good shooter. So, and he's kind of a little bit redundant with Pascal and OG, but, you know, uh, he's still a very high level prospect that has some upside. Interesting stuff, man. Uh, of course, we'll do the Tankathon Sim of the Day tomorrow, and hopefully we can get some good luck as it's been falling to eight two days in a row since we started it. Uh, but either way, it sounds like the Raps are going to get a good player if they are in this range of the draft, which is fun stuff. Robel, you are the best. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. Where can people check out your excellent, excellent work? I uh, appreciate you having me. I do work on YouTube. My, name, my channel is Submi and Coach. Make videos about NBA players, NBA draft prospects, and high school players. I decided I'm going to start doing draft prospects uh, videos now. Kate Cunningham videos coming out soon. Uh, definitely the guys that we'll be talking about will be covered, of course. So if you want, like, detailed analysis down to the T alongside, you know, seeing how these guys actually play so you can even have your own opinions, uh, stay tuned and subscribe. Absolutely. Uh, we'll be doing that for sure. Everyone go check out Robel's work. It's awesome. And hopefully we can have you back again soon, man. This was a lot of fun. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back again on Thursday to talk about the Thunder game. In the meantime, support the Locked On Network. Support Locked On Blue Jays. Locked On Leafs. Uh, Locked On MLB has their season preview going on right now. Six days in a row of division previews with all the local hosts. Bold predictions on opening day on April 1st as well. So you can listen to that there. Uh, really appreciate all the support for the network. And we will talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 